0: listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to Episode 73, Middle School Ministry Methods. Well, as we look at middle school for this episode, uh, Generation Alpha is slowly but surely coming into our youth ministries, and Gen Z is starting to age out. So what is it going to be like in this post-COVID new landscape of ministry with a new generation? Well, I have a great discussion with my new friend Ashley Bohentz, She's the director of middle school at Orange, and we have uh, a lot of fun talking about new things that are coming and why we should be excited about what's to come and how Orange is continuing to do great work with helping youth workers to help parents to invest in their children and have the church play in important role, the most important role of helping equip and resource those parents to invest in their children for the long haul. So let's go ahead and hop into this conversation with Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. It's great to have you on. Uh, If you could, for our audience, uh, give us a little introduction about who you are.
0: Great. Great. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been trying to schedule for a while, so I'm excited to be here with my youth ministry people. Um, What was the question again?
1: (laughs) Can you give us a little uh, introduction about who you are, Charlie? Oh, yes.
0: Okay. So I currently serve as the director of middle school strategy at Orange, um, which basically is a fancy way of just saying, I get to be part of all things middle school at Orange. So when it comes to our curriculum, when it comes to our devotionals, when it comes to any books or um, any products, weekend retreats, any parent queue, any face of anything that has to do with either training or talking to middle schoolers, training leaders for middle schoolers, anything like that, parent me, middle schoolers. I get to be part of it, which is pretty cool. Um, and there's a team of like, I don't know, 150 people who help lead the charge at middle, the middle school stuff at orange, which is so fun. Um, and yeah, I, I love it. I just graduated my small group of girls from eighth grade. Oh. High school. not just has been a few months at this point. Um, so now they're in the high school ministry and um, I also run an organization, a Women Empowerment Family Preservation Orphan Prevention Organization in Ethiopia called Carry 117 in my free time because hello, it's fun to do things you don't have to do and be part of good causes. So I love what I do. Happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Love it. Love it. So for this episode, uh, we'll be talking about good methods to use administering to our middle school students. It's probably said all the time, but middle school feels like that developmental sweet spot where you have kids who still want to be kids, but have the privileges of being an adult. Responsibilities? No way. But privileges? Yeah. Um, And you find yourself working with them. You'll probably find yourself at times learning as much as you're actually teaching them. So Ashley, I love to start at the beginning with all of our guests and find out Kind of what makes them tick and what got them into this in the first place. So you can you, can you share with us um, how you started in youth ministry and what led you to joining Orange?
0: Yeah. Oh, such a good question. Um, so the truth is, is I felt called to middle school before I ever call, felt called to ministry, which is feels a little backwards, but that's just my story. Um, growing up, um, I like I loved teaching and I loved all things school and like learning. And so I actually never saw females leading in the church growing up. And so I didn't know I could ever be part of like church as a vocation in terms of like a professional Christian or whatever. So um, in my mind, I'm like, well, then I need to be a teacher, a school teacher. And so I had my eyes set on being a teacher. I actually got a degree in school health education, my undergrad degree, And I picked health education because what I didn't realize at the time is like, it's exactly like being a youth pastor, but you just don't talk about Jesus. You just talk about like spiritual being and spiritual health and wellness. (laughs) Um, But I picked that subject because I was like, I want to make like an immediate impact on their life. Like I want to help them make great decisions. And I was certified K through 12 and I chose middle school because I'm like, well, I want the ages that I can make the biggest impact on. Like I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm like, we need to win. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I, um, I pursued an education degree and an education career, um, got my master's in education, moved to Baltimore, Maryland area and taught sixth, seventh, eighth grade health education for six years there in the public schools. While I was doing that, I was volunteering in our youth ministry at the local church I was attending. um, And I loved it. You know, it's teaching in there, recruiting small group leaders, training small group leaders, writing curriculum content at the time. um, There wasn't a middle school specific curriculum Um, at Orange. It was like the high school curriculum launched first. And so I had a chance of like helping make that high school content more middle school friendly. Um, And so I was just like, volunteering, loving my life, loving teaching. Um, and then my church came to me and was like, Hey, the middle school pastor is moving up to be the high school pastor. Like we think you need to be the middle school pastor. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. Like I'm tenured as a teacher. I love my job. I'll be the number one volunteer forever. It's fine. So long story short, I basically kicked and kicked and screamed my way into ministry, not because I didn't want to be in ministry. I just really loved teaching so much. And that was my plan, you know, to, to be a teacher, but I felt like God showed up in a lot of ways and showed me that God had plans for me in, you know, vocational ministry. And so it was really cool. Um, so leaving teaching and then going into the middle school pastor role, it was all in the same community, which was really fun. Um, so a lot of my students ended up following me to that church and to that youth ministry, which was really cool. Um, and I think there was like a journey in that moment. Cause like in education, curriculum's normal, like all teachers use curriculum and share curriculum. And like, we, it's like, you know, we're told over and over again, don't reinvent the wheel, like beg, borrow and steal, like don't reinvent the wheel, like be creative in your teaching, differentiate instruction and all of these things. And so I feel like the education aspect and the focus on adolescent development, and how people learn the science behind learning really helped set me up for um ministry and specifically middle school um and so i always like had a heart for curriculum and so when i started a ministry i was like do things like this exist in ministry like i don't know like do, are there curriculum? other curriculums like what what about the strategy like you know in education, there's like sequential strategies. Like you learn this in math before you learn this in math, before you learn this in math. And there's this whole like strategy and how to get them through 12th grade and everything they're going to know when they leave. I'm like, is there anything like that in ministry? And so that's when I was introduced to Orange and I was like, I love this organization. I love that they think with the end in mind. I love that it's holistic. I love that it's like. I love that they consider like all the bridges in and out of the ministries. And I was excited because they were launching a middle school curriculum and I'm like, yes, I want to be part of it. And so anyways, did that for several years, moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, um, and worked at a church down here for a little bit, what which is when I started like contracting with Orange as a, like just on the side, whenever I could attend a meeting for fun or write something with them um, because I was such a believer in anything that was specific to middle school. And so that started and then I kind of made a transition to full time and here I am a little over five years later. um, And I love it. I feel like I'm doing my dream job. I feel like I'm like pulling my experience as a teacher, my experience as a youth pastor And getting to create resources for people and my heart behind it, I'm just going on and on Jeff. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but my heart behind it is I want middle school leaders to know that what they're doing matters and it doesn't have to be a stepping stone to something else. It can be a landing spot and it can be where you put all of your heart and all of your energy and all of your passion. You could choose the ministry. And I just want to create resources for everybody to feel like they're going to win in that specific role.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. I can listen to that on and on, uh, that you have a really unique, well, I'm not sure how unique it is, but like how set up for success you are to be doing what you're doing, because you have experience that a lot of people in ministry don't have of being in the public teaching sphere for that amount of time with that age, and then being a vocational minister and now getting to work to empower really both because if you're a volunteer and you're a teacher or if you're a teacher who's a believer and you're wondering how middle schoolers tick and you want more insight you have a lot of valuable components Mm -hmm. in your experience to really put into middle school content at orange and so sounds like they're really blessed to have you that that is such a really valuable tapestry of experience to be able to take from to put in because whether someone is a volunteer is a vocational minister or doing something as amazing and teachers need to be paid so much more, need to be praised so much more because it's really hard and really valuable. But you get to have that experience. And so you can say, I know where you're at. And I know what it's like. And so you totally. can, can reach out there. That's awesome. That's Thank awesome. you for
0: saying that. I think that's what I love so much about Orange is... There are a lot of amazing organizations and curriculums that are like theologically sound and develop like biblically sound, but there aren't a ton that put a lot of emphasis on developmental Mm -hmm. um, adolescent development. And Mm -hmm. so, like, I love that focus. I think that's the educator in me that's like, okay, all of this stuff matters. Like, let's talk all the theology. But if a middle schooler can't process that information or it's not. Anchored to something concrete in their life, or we don't help make the connection to like, what does that truth have to do in my seventh grade world? Then they miss it. And so that's why I'm like, yes, I want to teach the greatest news in the whole world to middle schoolers, and I want to help them grasp it so they can own their faith. So I love it so much. Thank you for saying
1: yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And as a fellow Enneagram 3, I know that you need to be praised for your achievements. So great <laughs> job. Great Thank job. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you for the word trophy. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah and you know uh, I I love that you talked about how Orange has developed and how they're so good at developmental stuff because they had high school first and then you were able to come in and be instrumental in helping span that to middle school and as these different g- generations come in and out of our youth ministries we need to be adaptive um and we're all aware that technology especially has really influenced the characteristics of Millennials, but then really Gen Z is really where it hit the fan and just went everywhere and has so much of a widespread impact. And um, these different generations require like sometimes subtle, sometimes bigger changes and shifts in how we do ministry. And with the reality of Gen Z now starting to age out and whether, you know, depending on your sociology, either this year or next year. Gen Alpha, here they come. They're coming into our youth ministry. And so so
0: crazy. Um, <laughs>
1: very crazy. Like, like I started here at my church almost 10 years ago. And my sixth graders now who are in youth ministry, they were two when I was hired. I was like, ah so it's we're it's
0: getting kinda, old. Kind of we crazy. are getting old.
1: I know, I know. Uh so if you're a volunteer and um you've been in it for a while and you're still going, you're like, okay, here come some kids and kids are kids and I'm used to it, but you need to be aware of some different and distinct traits of Gen Alpha. Um, Ashley, how can we be effective and proactive in being adaptive for our ministry with students?
0: This is a good question. Also, my brain is like, Oh my gosh, we have a whole nother generation to figure out like what, like (laughs) we're just getting our hands around Gen Z and then a pandemic hits. And it's like, well, it changes a lot, but Mm -hmm. Well, so, I mean, the fact that Jen Alpha, like you said, like, I think it's like they're saying around 2010, born after 2010. So that's like, what, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade for some, which is wild, which is they're like brand new into middle school ministry, junior high ministry. Um, and I am certainly not an expert on this specific generation, I think you can know middle schoolers developmentally, and you can know middle schoolers culturally, and typically they're the same generation generation after generation developmentally, but culturally and how that generation is shaped is so different. And so, mm-hmm. I feel like there's like two different avenues we talk. There's you know the development developmental, but you're asking about Gen Alpha and. I mean, I've been reading as much as I can. I also am aware that everything I'm reading is going to change as this generation. I mean, these are the oldest of Gen Alpha moving in. Mm -hmm. Um, But some things that I feel like I think will stick around um, in the pandemic, just fast track this. But I was saying this even before the pandemic is just how learning in general has decentralized for this generation, for gen alpha so their school has decentralized and we saw that in the pandemic like online learning like are there even things such as snow days anymore because you can just hop online it's all set up now you know Mm -hmm. um and so it's i feel like between that and then even churches decentralized we saw that in the pandemic in terms of like where people are experiencing it, um, how you can reach people, thanks to technology, Um, and they're digital natives, like they don't know life before technology. They're more comfortable swiping an iPad than they are having a face-to-face conversation in some ways, Mm
1: -hmm. which is
0: like complete opposite of a lot of generations older than them, Um, And so I think the decentralized learning, we're going to see more and more of like hybrid opportunities, even prior to the pandemic. I mean, when I was growing up, I'm 37 as we do this, but when I was growing up, it was like you either went to school or you were homeschooled and homeschool is like traditional homeschool. And it was like one or the other, but now there's like this entire like list of hybrid opportunities and options that people can choose. And some of the large, like one of the, there's huge, like, Online schools, high schools and middle schools now and opportunities for that. So I feel like we're only going to see more of that. And I think the pandemic gave everyone just a little taste of what that could be. I mean, there's some people who are like, no, I need to go learn in the classroom with other people because that's how I learned best. I missed it. Great. There's going to be an opportunity to do that. And then there's other people who are like, I actually learn better when I'm learning through Zoom. Great. There's going to be opportunities for that. And so I think Gen Alpha is going to be not just digital natives, but I think like just the hybrid natives of all things information, whether it's education or whether that's faith, whether that's relationships, which I think is really interesting, especially because like each generation values different things. And so we, as part of the millennial generation, um, have to understand that the values of Gen Alpha will be different than the values of millennials, which would be different than the values of Gen Z. And that's okay. Like, That's okay. We just have to like understand where they're coming from and how they're seeing the world. With that decentralized model, I would also say like the whole idea of like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I think Gen Mm -hmm. Alpha is positioned because of the decentralized model and they're really responsible for their own learning you'll see a lot of research coming out about gen Alpha in that, but the growth mindset, meaning like I can get better at this. I can, I can improve these skills. I can learn how to do that. I can be a creator, not just a consumer. Like, let me look up how I can do that. Like just the responsibility to like get information on the, the tips of their fingers, this growth mindset is so amazing and so inspiring. And the opposite of that would be a fixed mindset of this is just who I am. This is all I know this. I can't make my life better. This is the, the hand I've been dealt. And so I feel like what research is saying about gen alpha is just like, they're so resilient and so gritty and like, can they're growing up and learning for jobs that don't even exist right now, which is wild. Um and so I would say that is a really cool thing um and I think just like the shift because they're responsible for their own learning and it's like we've taught them how to figure it out and how to learn more than we've told them what it is which is in my humble opinion better set up for their future um but I think that the challenge for us as leaders is going to be how do we create more environments that are like Um, differentiated in their learning and experiential in their learning? Like, how do we help them discover truth, not just tell them truth? Um, Mm -hmm. And how do we give them the tools and access to things where they can pursue it on their own More more than ever before? I mean, we've always said we want middle schoolers to have a faith of their own. But when you're looking at Gen Alpha's wiring, what we know so far, more than ever, they want to discover it on their own and they want to pursue it on their own, which is actually pretty cool. So I don't know. There's my brain dump of all things that I've been reading and really focusing on.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I totally agree. And I think a lot of what you said applies to where people have found success. I know where I have found success ministering to Gen Z, middle school and high school, because the whole conundrum of wanting to instill the foundations and truths of our faith, but more so wanting to lean in teaching students how to think not what to think is the right direction but it's like okay how do we do that <laughs> because as you just pointed out especially with gen alpha wanting to f- discover things on their own um even if you're teaching them how to think you don't want to do it in a way where they're feeling spoon fed you don't want to do it in a way where they're just like taking something that someone else has and saying okay that's it like because then they might feel like they're not actually discovering what it is. And if you look at it through a more secular lens, I'm not being true to myself. You know, like it's, we have to just change the way that we do ministry because of how much and how quickly culture is guiding these students to think about themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just like moving target that's really complex and it's not just like okay we have to line up here and wait for them to get here you know it's like throwing a it's like a quarterback who's who's throwing a football i i don't usually use sports analogies okay i'm not i'm not not that guy but uh, like using like a quarterback will throw a ball to where the receiver is going to be not to where he is now because if he does that he'll miss him and so like that's the hard part about ministry is like you have to connect your content and hope that parents where the students are the leaders are bringing them to the point where that's going to intersect and when the target is so moving good. so much um you know it's like you have a, a route and you want them okay run this way and this way and they run opposite or they run a straight line and you throw it and it never it's they're like so true the, outside the field and, and bring
0: um, bring any kind of trauma into that aka the pandemic it like throws exactly. the whole thing off. Like you may anticipate all the things in the world, and then trauma changes it all because exactly. trauma has a wild effect on our brains.
1: Mm-hmm. It it definitely does. And and I I've I've been telling my students the past eighteen months, and I reinforced it yesterday. Um, you know, when when we had lockdown for that month or two or however long, depending on where you lived, this isn't just to use orange language a phase. <laughs> this isn't just a time in your life where it's like, Oh, that, that was hard, but now everything's back to normal. Like this is going to affect you the rest of your life. And now we get to this point. I told my students yesterday, um, uh, we're having a conversation right now on on Sunday morning of the new normal. And you could have had this like a year ago and still would have been a, a new normal, but we're like looking back, looking to now and looking what's next. And I told them we need to look about, we need to look at what's next. And look what was before and how we're handling it now. Because believe it or not, 2020 will not be the most difficult thing that happens to you. There's gonna be harder things, gonna be weirder things that happen. And you need to be ready for those and not just on your heels trying to get back to the way things were. You have to be moving forward, having 2020 in your tool belt as a way to. Adapt and learn of handling the unexpected, and where's your foundation at? Where's your focus at? Who are your people around you? Where's your community around you? And I feel like that community aspect, as much as that's an overused buzzword, you know, uh, that is going to make all the difference, I feel like, with Gen Alpha. Because to your point earlier about being decentralized with their schooling, with ministry, with church. Uh, the church needs to be not only mobile but diverse in how it's portrayed and held up and how it's established wherever these students are at yeah. because um they're there it, it's it's happening with gen Z now, especially college students and all that kind of stuff but their their church might be their Tuesday night group of fellow believers who are meeting in their Dorm room, you know, and they don't have, then they're working on Sunday morning, or they don't have a church that goes that has a Saturday night service or something like. And we're gonna have to like realize that the way we present who the church is and where the local church can can gather. You know, I know there's a lot of ecclesiological uh, like barriers and things to consider, but we have to be versatile in our ministry. And it's weird to think in those grand terms in middle school but middle school is like the fertile ground for where you begin to plant these seeds of who these kids are because okay. this is when they start asking who am I who am I who am I and they're going to carry that on and it doesn't just stop in adolescence like in some ways they're going to keep asking it we see it with 30 year olds like they're going to keep asking it until they find a good enough answer and if we don't provide them the means to find that answer in, in in a community that's healthy and supportive, then they're going to keep asking it. And we're going to be left with, here's some good resources and events and things. But if we haven't helped them answer that question, the high school and college ministry in a few years might be really in, like it might not work very well.
0: I love that you're thinking all the way through that. That's amazing. Yes. Amen. Amen. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, Um,
1: So, um, I mean, I, I think we've basically kind of answered it in talking, and that was my fire hose. Sorry, um, but you're good. Um, aside from the decentralized part, um, anything else that we've touched on, or maybe things we haven't touched on? Do you feel like there are any other really big obstacles that are going to be present for us to minister specifically to middle schoolers in the next five years? Let's say.
0: I mean, I think partnering with parents is going to be more important than ever or parent or yeah. grandparent or guardian or whoever
1: mm-hmm. is in
0: charge of that kid. Um, and I feel that way because of the decentralized model. Like I feel like the conversation kind of starts in in that sense because the parents always played a more important role in a kid's life than the church. I mean, they get mm-hmm. way more hours of influence, but now with everything decentralized, like, They may be even more consistent in the life of that kid than anyone else in a bigger way. And the family units are changing, family dynamics are changing. You look at statistics, parents aren't like millennials are waiting to get married or have children until they're in their 30s, according to statistics, if they even choose to get married. All of that is changing. And so it's people in their 30s that have kids in middle school at this point are gen alpha. And so you look at how that, like, how does that impact the family dynamic? I think I read one statistic recently that like one in 20 to 30 families is a same sex parent. And so anything to do with family structure, like the whole idea of a traditional family where there's one mom and one dad and they're together and they 2.5 kids or whatever it is like those days are gone. If you, mm-hmm. As you look at statistics about the family makeup and I'm not trying to say it's right or wrong. I'm just trying to say it. this is what statistics are saying about gen alpha's family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So how does that change the way we reach families? I mean, I feel like a lot of times the church is built around that traditional family. And as somebody who's in her thirties single with no kids, it is difficult sometimes because the the church is so built around this idea of a, a traditional family, a family, kids, like roles. Like there's all this stuff that I feel like Gen Alpha is going to look at it different. And I think it's going to be a huge challenge for us as older generations to figure out, like, what does that mean for partnering with a family? What does that mean for what what words matter in how Mm. we partner with families. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't I don't have it all figured out, but I know it's as important as the decentralized learning. And we've got to keep equipping families however they're made up with whatever they need to be the spiritual leaders of their kid, especially in this phase. And I think research is also showing that like middle schoolers, like physical maturity is happening earlier and earlier. So hmm. gen alpha fifth and sixth grade is physically the maturity that's happening is what used to happen maybe in seventh or eighth grade. Like it's getting earlier and there's a whole lot hmm. of science behind why is this, but we're not going to get into all of the health teacher stuff. Although I would love to go health teacher I any mean, right now, but um, with that, I mean, even though physical maturity might be happening earlier, adolescence is actually getting longer, because people are leaving home later or people are choosing, you know, to make their next step in life later and things are happening earlier so adolescence is actually getting longer in some ways which is interesting. Um mm-hmm. again, plays into the family dynamic and how we partner with families.
1: Yeah. No, that that's right. And there's a lot in there I hadn't I haven't picked up on personally and it is it's huge and you're right. The family dynamic as much as like when you and I were kids and how uh, like I just turned 36 and so like when you and I were kids uh, the friends who we knew who didn't have a mom and dad at home were pretty rare like a divorced family or a family of like my my grandpa's raising me my uncle whatever um, and now you're right what what does family mean as far as a traditional family and there's there's no one definition there's no 10 definitions there they're, it's so scattered and that you're right. There's a definitely a, a correlation, both biologically and how they receive learning and how they receive perspective on themselves and how they see their faith, how they how they see God as Father, uh, based on this landscape 100%. of scattered family structures.
0: Yeah, and like um, even believing that God is for their family, mm, however their family is built. Mm-hmm. Like we have the responsibility as the church to let every family know that we're for them and God's for them for the sake of their kid, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what does that look like? Even in the pictures we choose to put on our websites or the language we choose when we give examples, Mm. all of those little things, those 1% things matter in how we reach Gen Alpha.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. No, I I think, I think uh, aside from all the, pedagogy and different things you can go to for learning, I think the root of family that you talked about is right on. And I think that even comes more at a foundational level than the decentralized school learning and church stuff, because that's their first understanding is family. And I I know Orange is right on top of the partnering with parents and championing them, and they're the main ones. And so if it starts there, and the there is so different and scattered, We have to address that first before we look at the other distinctives of this generation because that is going to affect these students more than anything else that they will receive from us or from their culture, from anything else. It's their foundation, where they grew up, how they're raised. Uh, It's going to affect everything. So, yeah, I think that's exactly where all of us need to start with with Mm -hmm. these students is the home, especially with the number of them that will have parents and or guardians of whoever it is never darken the door of a church. How are we going to partner with those parents or families? And it'll put more on us as youth workers to be able to take that extra step, go that extra mile uh, to be able to help these students because that's that's going to be challenging, really challenging. And
0: it takes a lot of humility because we Mm -hmm. as youth workers, we know what we do matters, but at some point we have to just admit that what we do doesn't matter as much as what their parent does. And Mm -hmm. I think one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to youth ministry is especially in the middle school phase, the junior high phase, because they're fighting for so much autonomy and the parent kid relationship changes a ton because it's, they shift from like a parent centric thing to a self-centric. Like it's just, they're, questioning things they've never questioned before. They want the app that their parent doesn't want them to have like all these things. And it's so easy as youth leaders to make comments in in an effort to build trust with a junior high or middle school student. But what sometimes the, the things that we choose to say or do to build trust actually ruins the trust between the parent and the church. Because we, for some reason, we build trust by making the parent the enemy, which is the complete opposite of what we as youth leaders and small group leaders need to be doing,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: as that middle schooler pushes their parent away, our role is to bridge the gap, not make the gap wider. Mm-hmm. And so when we choose to say things or give examples that make the parent look like the enemy or bad just to get the kid to trust us, we actually don't win in the long run because the parent is our number one source of information. We're not going to be in their life forever. Maybe a few kids you know, will be in our life for the long term, but not all of them. And so I feel like that is a huge thing, not just with Gen Alpha, Gen Z too, but I see it even more important. Like we as youth leaders have got to get better at that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the most common conversations. Well, how do you parent or how do you partner with parents of middle schoolers? Well, let's just start with never making them the enemy in our examples. Amen. And in our stories. Let's make sure that we're bridging that gap, not making it wider.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I was shocked. And the older I got, more disgusted with finding out just how many youth workers vocational and volunteer truly see parents as a hindrance if not the enemy and that is so confusing to me and you're right it you're you are setting yourself up yourself up and your ministry but more especially the student for a bigger fall a bigger spiral crash and burn if you set your if you set their parents up as the, ah, if you don't want to tell your parents, you can just tell me, which brings in a whole other Mm -hmm. liability direction of safety and all kinds of stuff, which is a terrible idea. But yeah, like all parents don't understand and they're just trying to pin them down and make them do whatever and line them up and they don't understand the reasoning behind help the parents do that. And don't just set them up as well. I'm the expert. I'll, I'll take care of their kids for them. That is such a bad idea. And it shouldn't take um, learning about a great organization like Orange or D6 or Youth Specialties or whatever else to realize that in scripture, parents are the primary disciple makers of their students. And the first bullet point of your job as a youth worker should be to empower, resource and partner with parents, period, before you even start doing stuff with their students or else your ministry really doesn't mean a lot.
0: Yep who say a ladder for the people. in <laughs> the
1: Right. And oh that, and th- that's where I think, you know, what we've been talking about, about the scattered family structure of gen alpha and how it's going to be so much more challenging to really partner with whatever their home looks like. How are we going to do it? But we can't give up that fight. We mm-hmm. can't just say, well, I'll partner with the parents and the homes actually have parents. But other than that, I'm just going to take it all on and we're just
0: partner with the parents for the kids who show up.
1: Yeah, oh exactly. Like versus yeah, and,
0: partnering with the parents that whose kid never shows up or right. shows up once every two months. Like what does that look like?
1: Exactly. Yeah, uh, Reggie and, and and Kristen uh when they were uh when I went to the Orange Limited Tour last week, they they talked about dispelling the myth that um only bad parents don't come to church. Like there are really good parents who for some reason or another are involved in church, but several of them are better than ones who just show up. Um, and we can't believe that myth, um, and, and, and buy into that. Um, so, uh, so actually what, what do you all have at orange for those who are looking for how to have well-rounded ministry for middle school students and parents? How are you guys trying to set up youth workers, um, to really minister well to both students and parents for this unique age.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I feel like I could just like list off all kinds of things that we're trying because but that would be <laughs> maybe overwhelming. But um, I would say I got to be part of this thing that we launched several months ago called Everyday Faith. And it was just a way that we were elevating our devotional strategy, which obviously our devotional strategy is part of our discipleship strategy. And um, But we were, were asking ourselves, how do we help middle and high school students grow in their faith apart from our programming? Like when we look at research and it talks about their responsibility for their own learning and their desire to figure out, work it out themselves or have more experiential experiences in youth ministry or with the church. How do we do that? And so we started this journey of yes, we have our curriculum, which we're constantly looking at thinking, how do we make it more interactive? How do we differentiate so that we make sure we had all learning styles? How do we make sure they retain the information? Like what is a creative way we can do this in large group and in a small group? And like, yes, we're having those conversations. So of course I'm going to say like, hello, orange Shins curriculum, middle school. Woo-woo! But I think what I'm really excited about is what we've been experimenting with everyday faith, which you can, you can be part of the devotional tragedy without ever even having orange curriculum. You can purchase it by itself on the store. And what it is is like um, access to our devotional daily devotionals for students, which are on U version, which is amazing because Um, accessibility. Now you can have someone read the devotional to you for students who don't love to read, but want to hear it, which is so cool. Mm. You can upload videos of people reading it or talking to you about that devotional. So we're working on all that, but there's daily devotionals. And then there's weekly devotional experiences. Like we know that we grow in our faith when we pursue God daily. Um, It doesn't just mean reading as a word it means experiencing god's creation and having conversations and asking questions and giving thanks and appreciating god so like how do we take so if we have one weekly programming let's say we have our daily devotionals what about like an experience in the week that continues to work out the truth that you taught them so maybe that starts in small group right maybe you have like a sunday school in addition or second gathering during the week like what, what does it look like to decentralize the teaching of that and make it more experiential in the learning and discovery. So mm-hmm. how do we make it an experience piece and it's all built around like hear live talk pray which are our four faith skills like how do we help them practice those skills and discover the truth in the midst of practicing their skills so they can work out their faith. So you can do it with their small group or with their friends or with their family or whoever. And so I would say that everyday faith was born out of our desire to help middle schoolers own their faith and to help middle schoolers experience faith in a, this devotional experience, which is kind of a new term that we're using is we know what a devotional is, but a devotional experience happens really with other people. You can do some of them on zoom. You can do Mm -hmm. text message. You can do them in the park in Sunday school, like so many different settings. And we're trying to, you know, Make them better and better each season. Um, so I would say if you've never checked out everydayfaithexperience.com, check it out. You can learn more about that strategy. Um, that's for middle school, high school, and I think preteen and kids is moving into that direction too, like making sure everyday faith is something that we're doing all the way through, even through parents. You'll see it on our parent queue, which is the second thing I would point you to. Is what are we doing for parents? Oh my gosh, like it's so much part of our conversation in our curriculum. There's a thing called additional resources. And we give all these podcast links and blog links and curated content for, Hey, we're going to be talking about, you know, bullying. And here are several things you can share with parents of your, you know, in your ministry, here are things to prep your small group leaders. And so just curating those things, resources that already exist, even outside of orange, like how do we just curate them for leaders who don't have time to do that? Um, But the parent queue app just launched. It's like next iteration and it's unbelievable. You'll see everyday faith on it. You'll see, I mean, it goes birth through high school. Um, And if you are not currently using the parent queue app, download it. It's free to download. Check it out. It's such a simple way to partner with parents and help get them in the loop of like, what are you? And you can customize it. I think you can buy a subscription where you can customize the content, like depending on what your scope and cycle is. But it's such a simple way to like cheer parents on, get them in the loop. Partnering with parents is more than just an email these days. It has to be more than just an email. It has Mm -hmm. to happen on several different platforms. We're talking about reaching several different generations and people who prefer information a certain way, which is exhausting for a ministry leader. Why curriculum so awesome? Because we try to create all of it because who has time to do that?
1: Right. No totally Just agree. The you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, that that's right. And, and that's something that, um, I think orange does really well with the philosophy, but really the, the structure. And, um, I remember when I was introduced to orange back in seminary and I was working, uh, at a church as a junior high director, uh, and they had milestones, everything else. Now you guys have phases and you're breaking everything out into these really important developmental Parts in the life, and how to help parents champion those milestones and the really specific things about those ages and what they need to capitalize on, take advantage of, um, to help build on their faith because they should be building on what they've learned, not just fill those years with like good stuff, good stuff, and this is important. But like, if you don't teach them to build, off of it. They're not going to have a good understanding of the foundational stuff and they'll have a bunch of random things, not know where to place it at. And, uh, yeah, you need to help them build on it.
0: If we want our kids to have an everyday faith, a faith that goes with them everywhere into everything all the time. No matter the situation, and it impacts the way they see themselves, the way they see God, and the way they say see others. Like that's an everyday authentic faith. Mm. If we want kids to have that, then we have to equip them to pursue that. If they don't have it when they're with us, they're not going to have it when they leave
1: us. Amen. So, yeah. totally agree. Totally agree. Well, Ashley, this has been so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I de- we definitely need need to have you on. Again, uh, you have a book coming out next year, and we're going to help you promo that for sure. But before then, uh, can you tell our audience where they can connect with you and with Orange online?
0: Yes. Okay. So, um, I mean, Facebook or Instagram, um, at Ashley Marie Bohentz, I think I'm at both of them. Can we put that in the show notes? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, DM me. That's fine. I'll get back to you when I get a chance, but I would love to talk all things middle school. If you are new to middle school ministry, reach out. I'd love to meet you. I love always knowing like who's new in the trenches of middle school. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. If you've been in middle school ministry for a while, let's talk. Let's let's just talk to me. Let's talk all things middle school and include Jeff in the loop. We'll, we'll just all have a conversation about it. That would be so fun. Um, if you want to get connected with Orange, you can um, check out um, Orange at Orange Students, I guess is our handle on all the channels. Mm-hmm. And you can get connected with us through there or learn more about it. Um, yeah, let's have a conversation. I'm not just gonna send you to a website. So let's chat. And everydayfaithexperience.com is where you can learn more about the devotional strategy we launched with the heart of giving this generation experiences they need to work out their faith.
1: Yeah, I love that devotional experience. That's going to be something going to add to my vocabulary and tool bag. That's awesome. Well, Wait, one more be-
0: thing. One more yeah. thing about that. My heart also, like, with the whole idea of like decentralizing church, decentralizing education, decentralizing learning. The digital natives with technology at their t- fingertips, knowing how to find information and learning whatever they want. Um, one of the things that I think we as youth leaders have to really embrace is the whole idea of shifting, like. I write about this in my book, but the whole idea of like either you're the sage on the stage or the guide on the side, like our role mm. as spiritual leaders in a kid's life. If we're the sage on the stage, then we stand up there and we know everything and we'll explain everything to you in the context, of all the words and the original text and all of these things. Like we have all the answers and not that it's bad to have no information and want to share it. But the way that it comes across to Gen Alpha or Gen Z is very different. And then a guide on the side, which is a little bit more risky to approach it that way, is how do I be here and answer questions you have, encourage you to ask questions? How do I give you a chance to discover truth on your own, not just tell you the truth always? And so I think that's like the heart behind the everyday faith experience is like, how do I not, how do I approach this? Not just as a sage on the stage, but a guide on the side. Like that is the role I'm trying to come alongside you and cheer you on in your faith walk. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Love it. I love it. Wisdom, dropping wisdom, truth bombs over here. <laughs> well, Ashley, I'll be praying for you as you continue uh, killing it in your, in your role with middle school, helping youth workers to help parents, to help students uh, learn about their faith, learn how to think about their faith, not just what. And uh, as we become mobile and, and versatile to reach this decentralized generation. Thanks again.
0: Thanks, Jeff, for having me. This was awesome.
1: That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Ashley for joining me. The link to Orange students and other links that we talked about at the end of the episode can be found in the show notes and the YouTube video description. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, please go check that out and subscribe there as well. We have all of our episodes on YouTube starting this season. Also, every Friday, only on YouTube, we have a special five-minute segment called The Fantastic Friday Five. So go and check that out this Friday. On our website, youthministrymaverick.com, you can find all of our episodes, a complete list of our guests and their bios, a list of organizations to help you in your own ministry, some articles I've published, a store to support the podcast, and more. So go check that out. You can also find all of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts so we can be more seen. And if you leave us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me and I will send you a personal thank you card with some merchandise you can't buy on the website. That's all for now. Hope to see you on YouTube this Friday. But until next time, thanks for listening. Adios.